Well, friends, at this time, I would like to invite Mark uh, to come forward. Uh, Mark, as I said, Mark Dinglison, the Executive Director of CUMAC. And uh, Mark and I are going to be sharing with you a candid conversation. Um, there is no script. <laughs> there is no sermon. There is nothing. We're we're, there's nothing. So go home. No. Uh, so we are, uh, Mark and I are, uh, are really excited to share with you. Um, we're excited because we've been on a journey of discovering uh, this conversation uh, together for the better part of a year. And, uh, and today we're sitting down for the first time with the church, just letting you into some of our conversations. So uh, with that, uh, Mark, welcome. I'm really excited that you're here. So. I'm excited. I'm excited to be back. Yes. I, yes. I, I haven't seen you all in what almost i haven't been in your church in almost like a year and a half it has to well it's 18 months since we've been back so yeah, yeah. uh you have been back you did preach for us uh in video with song you used your guitar yeah, and sang right. and yeah. uh if you remember that mark uh preached uh for us i want to say in the summertime maybe it was last Correct. spring but yeah. yeah you did that and you shared a little bit about kumak at that point but for those who do not know, uh, even as I said, I'm not sure what Kumak, because I used to call it a food pantry, but it's not right. a food pantry. It's much more than that. Um, can you share with everybody a little bit about Kumak, a little bit about your history? Uh, you know, give us the, the, the five-minute spiel of, of who Mark is and, and uh, what you're doing. I'll see if I can even do it in one minute. That's right? even better. That's There's good. a really important conversation. So good to see everybody again. Uh, I'm Mark. I'm the executive director of Kumak. Um, my background is juvenile justice work and diversity work out of Chicago. Um, I was especially, you're, you're all partnered with Passaic County Court Appointed Special Advocates, I was the executive director of um, CASA in Chicago. Um, so when I came to New Jersey, I had two uh, job offers, one in juvenile justice and the other at CUMAC. I realized that at CUMAC we could build the thing that we always talk about in Chicago, um, and especially our presiding judge in Chicago talked about, which is how do we build something that empowers parents so that DCFS is not coming and pulling kids out of the home. Um, so at CUMAC, um, we are not a food bank and we are not a food pantry. We are an anti-hunger organization because ending hunger, as Doug knows, because I harp on it to him all the time, <laughs> ending hunger has nothing to do with giving people food, right? Feeding people is about giving people food. In a similar vein, um, knowing about uh, trauma does not really prevent trauma. Um, it's about knowing about trauma and healing from that uh, trauma. So what we do at CUMAC is we use uh, trauma research and trauma best practices and asset-based community building principles to build what we are calling a food justice system. And that basically means what is the food that I would, so I'm a new father, I'm a new dad, I have a five month old. What is the food that I would want to give to my wife and my baby when I need help? And how do I give that consistently? And how do I give that with fidelity? And how do I give that um, to all the people that are coming to us for help? And how do I educate others that this is a way that we should be doing the work? So there's food justice and there's emergency food. Right? Emergency food, if I'm not going to give that to my baby ever, then why in the world would I ever give that hmm. to people that are coming to Kumak for help? So that's what we do. Yeah, and so if, for those who haven't been down to Kumak, because yep. there's probably a few of our congregation who has, maybe some who are watching too, 
been down to see the marketplace. Mm -hmm. uh, can you give a little expla explanation of what the marketplace looks like and what you've been doing? Sure. So the, the normal way that you do food pantry work is people come in, I need help, and there's bags of groceries usually, right, um, that you can take and you can go home with. And that, there's really a place for that, and that's good. Um, what we do, because we have the capability to do more and we're challenging ourselves to do more, is when you come to Kumac, um, and obviously we had to change during COVID, but this is where the direction we were headed in anyway. So when you come to Kumac, you walk into the first room where you can grab as much fruits and vegetables as your family needs. Um, there's bread, there's peanut butter and jelly, whatever extras they have. And then you're gonna fill out an order form um, and you give it um, to the person who's checking you in. And that order form is now given to a volunteer, an everyday volunteer, um, that comes in and shops for the clients. And we have high quality beef, turkey, chicken, pork, fish, rice, beans, cereal, pasta, tomato sauce, canned tuna. You fill out your order menu, and then by the time you're done getting your fruits and vegetables, a shopping cart with your order gets wheeled out um, to you. And then you also get your appointment for the next time you're coming to Kumac because everything at Kumac is by appointment and we see um, minimum 2,000 people, uh, 2,000 people a month, which translates into give or take about 1,200 families and a third of the people that we're helping are children. Yeah, so that kind of gives you a sense of what uh, Mark has uh, been doing and, and kind of what Kumac is doing. Now I got connected with Mark, <clears throat> well I guess no, probably with Kumac, right? I don't think we were doing Kumac, or we were doing some work with you Kumac before. Kumac, but then you and before, I met. before Mark. So, yeah. so we've been doing some work, and, and for some of you may know, the way we got connected with Kumac was Marlene Farabach and the Bags of Blessings, and we started doing that with the Methodist Church, and uh, got connected that way. Um, Rose Bates and yep. Rose has been here as well. So, that just gives you a little bit of history. Now, the reason I've continued the relationship, besides the fact that Mark's a great guy, the reason I was continuing this relationship <laughs> is because. Um, there's something special going on at Kumek. It's not just a food pantry. Um, it's not just a place where you go and, like you said, even the food. I was wa I've watched you as it's it's uh, grown. And Mark, they they rescue food from all kinds of places. And, and Mark would uh, I just watched as Mark would go and beat bushes just trying to get anybody and everybody to try and give them the you know the the leftover food that was going to go to waste, but it was good quality food, as he said, trying to get food. That restaurant grade, grade quality, that, yep. that food that's not just you know leftovers, and why this has been important is because that part of your job, let's put that aside for a second. It's almost like the food part is a conduit for the deeper yes. issues that we're talking about here today. So it's like that's the umbrella or that's the platform by which you then get to address some of these other issues. Correct. Can you talk to us? Because one of the things that really struck a chord within me. Um, to give you all a little bit of history, uh, when Mark and I first talked about trauma, the very first conversation he ever introduced me to about this, um, we sat down and Mark said, do you realize, and he did a quick assessment of his, his notes and his studies, do you realize that your city, Wayne, is the third largest food insecure city in Passaic County? So after uh, Patterson and the city of Passaic, it is Wayne, and then we said it's Wanakue, right? That's what we, I think. That we are, we are the third greatest food insecure. Can you tell us about what that means? Because that blew my mind. I was like, because I live here, and I'm like, no, nah, Mark's, 
your numbers have got to be off. Like, that's crazy talk. Right? But, but you, you've proven it to me. You've showed it to me. Can you explain a little bit? I want to bring everybody back to where I first heard that and why that really struck a chord with me. Can you explain to me what food insecurity means and, and, and why we see it in Wayne or wh what, you, what you know about uh, that in, in our area? Sure. So um, what Doug is saying is true. And this conversation matters because it takes all of us, right? There's a lot of othering that happens when we talk about trauma and when we talk about needs and community, right? Oh, that happens over there. And that happens with those people. Um, that's a problem that's in that city. Um, but really, there is no them or us in, their, in this work. There's only us, right? And I think that's actually something I said when I was with you all last time I was here. Um, and you'll say it again the next time. Yes. Because we have to keep saying it. There is no them yeah. or us. There is yeah. only us. Yeah. Um, so for those of you watching at home, remember that. Um, what we did at Kumac, uh, Detroit um, is doing a lot of amazing work around food justice. And you're going to hear me say justice a lot as it relates to trauma. Um, so remember this one. It's from an author, Brian Stevenson. Um, the opposite of poverty is not wealth. It's justice. And justice is the continuous pursuit of equal opportunity for others. So remember um, that one. So there's a lot of great work happening in um, Detroit around food justice. And what they're doing is, because the natural reaction when you hear that somebody, when others are food insecure, is we want to throw canned goods at that problem, right? Um, and we'll go into the store and we'll, and we'll just grab whatever's cheapest, and then we, we try and throw that at a problem. Um, a more strategic way to do it so that it's sustainable is actually ask yourself, based on what people are telling you, where, are, where is the greatest areas of need and can we concentrate there and strategically deploy there before um, going and just throwing food at all of Passaic County. And so we actually have a food insecurity map based on what was created in Detroit that actually identifies for Kumac where are the, most, where are the places with the greatest need. Um, and Patterson and Passaic, yes, they're there. But then it's a, it was a very jarring experience when we first saw the map um, and we saw how much, in, how much food insecurity is actually in Wayne, in Clifton. Mm -hmm. um, and to your question about food security, in a nutshell, um, if you have to worry about paying a bill or buying food for your babies, you're food, in, you're food insecure. Right? If, you have to rely, if you have to worry about paying rent or where you're going to live uh, versus um, how your family is going to eat, that's what food insecurity looks like. And I will encourage you all and challenge you all. There's, a, there's an even greater definition, which is nutrition security. Mm -hmm. right? Because technically, if I give you access to McDonald's 24-7, you don't have to worry about the food that you're going to eat. Right. Right? And so technically, I've made you food secure. But nutrition security is, what if I actually also gave you a safe place to eat your food? Mm -hmm. What if my food that I'm giving you is culturally sensitive? What if it's the food that you actually want to feed to your five-month-old um, baby? And what if I actually gave you knowledge about how consuming fruits and vegetables can um, help you manage your diabetes, your A1C levels, so on and so forth. And that's all the stuff that you guys are trying Correct. to deal with yes. at, at Kumac. Um, <clears throat> can you talk to us, back us up to, to the 1996-97 study, mm -hmm. which was done, uh, because that also spoke, spoke to me. So I heard this, and I was kind of like run over like a truck, to tell you the truth. Like, I just was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, 
I, and my first reaction was, that's not true, that's not here, <laughs> right? Which is, I think, is, is a lot of people's response, like, no, what you're saying can't be true. But yeah. as, the, as the numbers kind of bear out, and as you, you kind of healthily defined it, it's not just people have no money to buy food, but it is people who are feeling anxiety about things. Well, that I know is true right. of our community. Right. Um, but then on top of that, then we talked about that study from 1996, 1997. Can yeah, you talking you, about the ACE study. The ACE study, yeah, the ACE study. Um, so know that all of this, right, is centered around trauma and adverse childhood experiences. The way that we've been able to really change everything at CUMAC is by educating our board and our team. And mind you, one thing that we do at CUMAC, one of my big crazy dreams is that 80% of our team, if not more, will be from the communities we're serving on um, living wages and full benefits. Um, and right now we're at, we're hovering above 72% are from the community on full benefits. Um, and then um, we're working towards uh, living wage for everybody that's at CUMAC. So what we do is we educate our board, our staff, our partners, um, our partners, on what is the effect of trauma and adverse childhood experiences on our, our, our individuals we're trying to help, families we're trying to help, and communities we're trying to help. So, blows my mind every time I talk about this. Remember that a roadmap for how to actually combat a lot of this was done in 1998 right. and was corroborated in the year 2000 by a 600-page study. And still we're here in 2021, headed into 2022, going, oh my gosh, we should all be doing this, yeah. right? So in 1998, the... Uh, he was a senior scientist for the CDC, and the other doctor was actually the managing director for Kaiser Permanente's uh, managed care system. It was in San Diego. They surveyed 17,000 people. Uh, it was the largest study of its kind. And their hypothesis was, um, their guess, their educated guess, that um, adversity, especially early in childhood, completely affects um, long-term health, community health. It was a community health study. And they were able to prove their theory with scientific evidence. They called it adverse childhood experiences. Um, the amount of stress, and especially toxic stress and trauma that you experience, um, has long-term effects on the social determinants of health that determine if we're going to be healthy, if we as individuals will be healthy, if our families will be healthy, if our communities will be yeah. um, healthy. Now, even greater mic drop, 17,000 people in the study, 75% were white with good health care and college educated. So as we continue down this road of understanding how to fight trauma, right. remember that trauma does not discriminate. But what's crazy is, if that study showed those kind of figures, then what happens when we then go into Camden, the east side of LA, Newark, the west side of um, the west side of Chicago. Yeah. Um, very very basic knowledge so that you know about the that you should take away from the A study. Two things. There's a very basic ten question test that determines what your A score will be. Right, based on the trauma you've experienced, you say yes. For each time you say yes, you get one point. If you if your score was four or higher, your chances of developing any cancer went up 190 percent your chances of developing diabetes, uh, type 2 diabetes, went up more than 200%. Um, your chances of attempting to take your own life went up 1,200%. That's what the study showed and was corroborated 
um, with that 600-page study, right? And the co-principles of the study said there's three ways to prevent this. One, prevent the occurrence of adverse childhood experiences. Two, create more knowledge about what adverse childhood experiences do. And three, alleviate the burden of health on individuals and families that are experiencing stress. But as we talk about this, because this is heavy stuff, yeah. and I should actually do a better job of um, reminding you of this, my friend, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, for all of us here, remember that your ancestors and your past gave you more than your scars. True. Right? Because you're here now. We're here now. So there's power there, right? Your ancestors gave you more than your scars, and your trauma does not define your future. No, that's good. That's good. Good word. Um, the I've been reading, you know, research, uh, researching for this series and for other things, and I came across the book um, that Oprah Winfrey actually recommended. Yeah. What, the, happened what happened to you? Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to me. I want to go back to, for a second because they talk about some of the same stuff. They talk about the ACEs study, but one of the things that in, intrigues me is you just threw some very heavy, not not heavy as an oh heavy, but very powerful statistics yeah. out there. But you also said something about five minutes ago, which was, um, we're not acting on it. Like, like in other words, there's, there's so much right. research that is talking about this. And, and I wanted to tell you, I, th I think I mentioned it before, that I've been studying this. And I've been out and, and I talk with people as I'm talking about the different messages that I'm going to create or that I'm going to talk about. And I'm talking with different people. And I would talk about trauma. And it was like, a lead balloon, <laughs> right? It was like I'd talk about trauma and it wouldn't, like there was no engagement from the discussion. And, and I wondered, have you seen that same kind of context and what do you think that's about? Like why is it that, it, I, don't, I don't think it's a fear. I don't think we're afraid of trauma, yeah. but there's something that, because if, if everything that you're saying is true and, and the studies are telling us that, that I mean, they're corroborating it, right? They're, they're, mm -hmm. they're, 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 they're continuing to do that. If this is true and it's a big issue, Nobody's talking about trauma, and I'm curious, because you're in it longer than I am, why do you think that is, or what do you think's going on with that? It's so funny, right? So at the, right when we were talking about this, I was like, done. I experienced something on Tuesday and Wednesday. Find a way to like, get it in there so I can talk about it. So he just gave me like the biggest like, alley-oop, so now I'm going to try and dunk. There you go. Right? So that's right. Good job. There, there, thank you, yeah. This is not scripted. That's promise. right. This is totally not scripted. Uh, so two things to that and why people don't really talk about uh, trauma. One, I'll say, a good friend of mine who's a healing-centered practitioner, she's out of Minnesota, she's been doing this all over the country for years, like trying to teach people about how you actually have to build resilience so we collectively can build relationships that help people heal. Um, Becky says, people often don't talk about or do the simplest things because it seems too pie in the sky. Okay. But then they start trying to do it and they realize it is hard. Hmm. And so they stop doing it. Last Tuesday, right, so I doubt myself all the time right, in terms of this stuff. I mean, my own trauma from my past and then like, you know, all the challenges that we are, all are dealing with now. Um, last Tuesday, I had very hard conversations that really left me deflated, right? And the next morning I was talking to my wife and I was like, babe, do I sound like a quack when I talk about how we need to build relationships and 
help people heal in order to fight hunger and fight poverty effectively. Um, that's why I think it's very hard to have a conversation about this. So I want to honor all of you and those of you watching at home. I want to honor all of you for being willing to even go down this rabbit hole with your pastor about um, what do we carry um, in our hearts, in our minds, and in our bodies, the trauma that we carry, and how can we heal from that? Because it's a very pie-in-the-sky idea mm. that seems all the way out there, right? Yep. I'm okay. There's nothing wrong with me. Um, yeah, I've had a hard life, but that trauma thing, that's for other people, right? So that's one reason people don't engage. Um, another reason that I've found why people don't engage is, yeah, okay, I get it, that's out there, but I mean, it is what it is, hmm. right? This is, this is who I am now, so there's no, way to, there's, there's no way to course correct from that. It seems too hard to even touch it, right? Um, that's another reason. So it all has to do with um, how much do you really believe in this idea that people can heal from trauma through relationships, and if we can do that collectively, we can make a difference in, for families and in communities and in neighborhoods. Um, how much do you really believe in that? And especially in this day and age of COVID where there's so many challenges, mm. it's, even harder to, it's even harder to even take that conversation. Yeah, I hear you saying, uh, the, the answer that I hear you saying is that um, it's almost like healing from trauma seems intangible, meaning that it's so yeah. large and so pie in the sky, as you said, it's so big. And yet, my guess is that just by having this conversation, by doing the training that you're doing at Kumac, by us opening the door to try and talk about it, um, it every time we do that, it just kind of gives a little bit more space to yes. allow that to happen. Now, Mark just said something interesting, too, at the end there. He talked about how really the trauma happens. It's not from a canned good. It's not from a counseling, necessarily. It's really from the relationships that are built. And what strikes a chord in me is um, this church for over, well, well before COVID, our statement has always been that we want to be a church that forges relationships with God, with each other, and with our community. We're on a journey of trying to explore how to do that. Sometimes we do it better than other times. But to me, that, di that, 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 uh, that logo or that, that, that yeah. motto matches up very well with kind of some of the stuff that, that you guys are doing. Um, and if I may, yeah, yeah. I will say, and you should all really own this and be excited about this. There is something very visceral that I feel here, even talking to you and meeting all of you and being here, um, there's something very visceral here that plays a very integral role in helping people heal, right? This is, conversation is a form of, of healing. And I think you should, I mean, praise God for all of you and what you're doing here, having a conversation and being in relationship is how you're supposed to help people heal and how we can help ourselves here heal um, from trauma. So you're, you're <clears throat> on it. I was telling Doug, you're more near science than, um, than you know. He was like, what's near science? It's the new term for um, combating trauma. Do you understand neuroscience, epigenetics, ACEs, and resilience? And can you do it all together? Um, so. I don't understand any of those terms, but yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I really did. As you're talking about that, the one, uh, as, as I said, it's not scripted, but the one thing I did want to bring was a scripture for you all that I was, um, as I've been thinking about this conversation, 
Um, I happen to be doing a, uh, a study with Tim Keller. Um, I'm doing it. Uh, it's a daily study. And this is the Proverbs. Uh, some of you officers, you guys got the Psalms, I think, last year. This is a companion book to that. Um, but anyway, so as I'm reading on, on uh, Friday, this is Friday's devotion. And I'm not going to read you the whole devotion. But I wanted to read for you. Um, I wanted you to read for the prayer. And then I want to read for you the scripture because I was like, oh, my gosh, like what a setup. Like I really believe that God put this in the timing of how God works. But this is the prayer that closed the devotional as it talks. It wasn't talking about trauma. It was talking about how um, in, in Proverbs uh, 31, how she, the woman, uh, the, the mother of the family, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy, talking about the, uh, the woman of God. And this is the prayer. It says, Father, make our families and our churches ministry centers of our streets, neighborhoods, and cities. Let us be like your son, known as people who live not just to please ourselves, but our neighbors, and especially the weak. And this scripture verse that I've got over here right behind me, this is Romans chapter 15, 1. This is where kind of the genesis of that prayer comes from. And, and this, the scripture says, it says, we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. Just insert here, people who are dealing with trauma, people who are dealing with brokenness. I mean, you could put in here people who are dealing with their sin. Any of these things apply. But in the context of what we're talking about, if we put in here, we, we who, are, who are not dealing, dealing with trauma at this particular moment, because as Mark said, every one of us is dealing with trauma. Uh, that was one thing that, that uh, What Happened to You book made abundantly clear, that we all have trauma. And the, the ACEs study from 1998, too, 1998, yeah. which was done in suburban America. If you know 70% of the folks in suburban America had trauma, you know we all are dealing with traumatic events. Anyway, uh, those who are strong, who are not dealing with trauma right now, must be considered those who are sensitive or those who are dealing with trauma right now. We should not just please ourselves, be focused on ourselves, but we should, do, uh, we should help others to do what is right and build them up in the Lord. And I guess... I really appreciated that uh, passage of scripture and that devotion because I don't know where God's going to lead us. I'm grateful for the relationship that God is giving to uh, Mark and to me and our two organizations. Um, but I believe that, that our future as a church, uh, you know, hear me now, believe me later, but I, I have a belief that our, 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 our church is, is on the, uh, the beginning of something really special in the ability to, uh, to work in this area and to help others heal from trauma, and maybe even help ourselves heal from trauma. So, um, so if I, I may, yeah. um, two things that I'll, I'll leave you all with, may, may I? Yeah, please. Uh, Doug and I were like, okay, okay, who's gonna time us to make sure we're gonna stay I, yeah, in 20 that's minutes? Right, yeah. um, did we do it? No, uh, we're kidding. pretty good. Um, uh, uh, a statement, uh, somebody in the back liked the joke. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, two, uh, Two things I want to leave you all with. One, um, a statement to a Bible verse that's associated okay. with what you're doing. Um, Ibram X. Kendi is an author. Um, Americans have long been conditioned to see the deficiencies in people rather than in systems. Right? Yep. So the systems we, le we live in create trauma, but we as a people, as a community, as society, uh, have been conditioned to say what's wrong with you rather right. than what happened to you. Um, but that is the cornerstone of building strong relationships is what happened to you, here's a safe place where you can heal. Um, and then a Bible verse that if you can ask yourself 
and ask others what happened to you, it leads you to my guide verse, which I think actually speaks to healing from trauma. Um, Romans, from the book of Romans as well, chapter 5, 3 to 5. Not only this, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because suffering produces endurance, endurance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because of the love of God that has been placed into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Dude, that's a biblical definition Absolutely. of how you're supposed yeah. to heal from trauma. So I honestly feel it's part of our charism as followers of Jesus yep. to be like, all right, dope, let's rock. That's it. Yeah. I, I agree, and we're going to carry it. So, um, Mark, can I ask you to pray for us, to pray for uh, our relationships, but also just to pray for us and just love your blessing upon our church today? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, um, let's all bow our heads. Um, Put ourselves in the presence of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you as humble people, as broken people, as imperfect people that acknowledge that our history with trauma, our history with um, our negative experiences does not define not only who we are supposed to be, but who you see us as, Lord, as individuals, as families, as a church. We come before you and we embrace this truth that you see us very differently than we currently see ourselves and how this world sees us. And you see this church very differently than how we can currently see it mm. and how um, we as a community currently see it. So bless our hearts and our eyes and our minds with your truth today. Yes, Lord. Come and be with us and sit next to us and help us to heal, but teach us to continuously heal by reaching out to others and asking for a safe place to be. And Lord, when people reach out to us, give us the strength and the humility and the belief to know that you are using us in that moment as instruments. And so we should embrace that and we should forge onward with that belief, Lord mm. God. Bless yes, our Lord. families our loved ones that aren't here. Um, bless our brokenness and bless it all with belief that you are mighty above all things and that nothing is impossible when you are there next mm. to us. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mark Dinglison, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. I'll leave that there. Um, so... I don't know where God's going to lead us, but uh, with that blessing and with us as a church and for those of you who are online today, we are moving forward in this area. This is going to conclude our trauma series. Uh, as I said, next week we pick up with uh, what's your number, um, but that doesn't mean that trauma and the work that we do here is concluded. We're going to continue to see what God has for us uh, in the days ahead. But uh, now let's